When last we tuned in to discontinued on display, Matt had returned from eating his luxurious bonbons and finding some semblance of inner peace. Grace was no longer seen anymore after her feverishly amazing episode about the Teen Titans. What dramatic things are in store for our discontinued museum professionals today? Stay tuned and don't touch that dial. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Discontinued on Display. I am Chris, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, Matt. That was a little smoother. That was a little bit smoother. <laughs> I applaud it. Thank you. Ma- also, fun fact, uh, doing a old-timey radio voice is my favorite voice to do, so I was a little jealous of that opening. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to do it? We can no, go it's back. Okay. That's okay. I, I don't have like anything prepared, and so... You know what? Think about it through the episode. You close us out. I'll close us out. Close okay. us out in an old-timey radio voice. Now, before we get into the episode and explain why we did an old-timey radio voice, there's a really important thing we have to acknowledge today, Matt. Are you ready yes. to sing with me? Yeah, so we are... Okay, oh, fun fact. We are recording this... On February 15th, and I cannot believe we didn't realize this until, let me tell you the exact time that I realized this, because I stopped what I was doing. At 1.52 p.m. is when I realized this. When we are recording this, it is A.C. Gilbert's birthday. Happy birthday to you. We can't sing together. To you. Yes, we can. Happy, Happy birthday, A.C. Gilbert. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Wow. Oh, that we did in sync. <laughs> we did the wow in sync. Oh, for the two uh, the of you last, that are left listening. The last time that I tried to sing on a podcast with somebody else, it was with Casey. And we tried to sing It's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. And it went horribly. I left it in the episode so everyone could enjoy how horrible it was. Oh, that's brilliant. No, I've realized I was saying, I don't know if I said this already on the podcast. It's terrifying to think that. And now I guess you as well um, are technically we are recorded singers on itunes and spotify absolutely you can you can search us i guess i don't know you can search us um although this won't be tagged as happy birthday to you ac gilbert oh we should i should have done the sexy marilyn monroe way because we love ac gilbert so much oh ac gilbert man i I then so i was at work and i i I scrolled to the birthdays we do a little this day in history like no freaking way and then i went on a rant about this man who saved christmas and I'm pretty sure everyone just kind of looked at me like, okay, did anyone man. Did anyone know who he was? No, no one really knew who A.C. Gilbert was. I they educated them. They sure know now. I mean, pretty much uh, it, it, I'm going to become the educator for my friend groups on A.C. Gilbert. That's what I mean. I've been trying to slowly turn the museum I work at into the A.C. Gilbert Museum. They're not budging. I did get a speaker. I have okay. a I have a lecture about AC Gilbert saving Christmas in uh December. I'm really excited. The speaker's coming. 
We're hoping to be hybrid by that point with COVID restrictions. And I, I am so excited to meet somebody else who knows about AC Gilbert and can teach me all the things, can like master of disguise, like make me the new master of AC Gilbert. Chris, why have you not started on the AC Gilbert musical yet? You don't know what I do in my free time. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Maybe you are starting on this. And because, you know, I'm seeing the next Broadway hit being. The Man Who Saved Christmas. The Man Who Saved Christmas. Or I don't know, like I I was about to say like Erector sets, but that seems like it's. Erector is one of the songs. Erector. I hardly know her. But I'm bumped. He so, thinks that about his wife before she gets pregnant. <laughs> this is a raunchy musical. Oh man. This is why I'm not writing the Ace of Gilbert oh, musical, okay, okay. as I would probably put too many dirty jokes in it and 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 soil his legacy. Okay. Although okay. I feel like you could do like, you know, like they do those shows like The Gilded Age and The Crown and Down Abbey. You could do one about AC Gilbert. Easy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There is some listener out there right now that after season two was like, oh, thank goodness we're done with AC Gilbert. And, and so listening to this there's, like, no! Did you say there's one listener? There's all 40 of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> um. So anyway, I know it seems off topic, but actually A.C. Gilbert, to the concept of what happened in history is very fitting for today's episode because we've been doing, and I said this to Matt before we started, we have been doing a lot of mainstream. Everyone's going to know what this is, television. And he asked me to pick this week. I let him pick the previous ones. Um, and I was like, all right, sucker, I'm going to pick something I really want to talk Like This is a very selfish pick. Uh, but I think it's a really cool concept and a really cool thing. And it was a big part of my childhood. Um, so what Matt and I will be talking about today is a 1990s AMC classic original TV show called Remember When. And when was spelled W-E-N-N because those were the call letters for the radio station because the show is about a 1940s radio station in Pittsburgh. And can I tell you my favorite thing? So I knew nothing about this show. You texted me this, and I was like, I have no idea what this is. So have to start from the bottom. Got to start at Wikipedia. Um, my favorite part of the Wikipedia first paragraph is the series title is a play on the phrase, remember when. I'm like, oh, thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Didn't realize that. This is why we have to pay Wikipedia. This is why they ask for donations is because of sentences like that. Yes. What a winning sentence. So, yeah, I I it, it, I it did a whole really as deep of a dive as I could because, honestly, we usually do this at least once a season where we pull something out of left field and there's very little, like, research on it. So, um, you but know, luckily... I, I, I actually know a lot about this. So I was like, I know I can fill in some of those blanks because I've been watch. I watched Remember When my entire childhood. And it is one of those things that like is forever imprinted into me. I'm sorry. I also had interrupted you. Please. No, you're totally your fine. I'm, I'm, you know, looking at all of my looking at all of my, uh, uh, you know, people that were in this in this show. Like it's 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 weird. And I there's one I was really excited to see if you would notice. So when I got a text from you this afternoon, all cap letters, and it was like, did you know? I was like, oh, did he clock that the voice of Jafar from the movie Aladdin was in this movie? Or not um, this movie, I, this series? I did clock that. Um, uh, that that was an interesting thing. Well, and it makes sense. Like, a, a show about, um, you know, people who are essentially voice acting 
it probably should employ some talented voices. <laughs> it should. Now, the funny thing is, is that actor doesn't end up playing one of the radio actors. Let me let me try and pull everyone into what the world of this show is, because I'm sure no one at home knows what this is. And like Matt said, it's not going to be easy to research to learn what it is. So the premise of the show is that there is this small local radio station, W-E-N-N, in Pittsburgh. And the show takes this weird... It takes this weird roller coaster of events. It's only four seasons long. It ends on a huge cliffhanger for all the characters. The show consists of the station manager, the station writer, uh, who is the main character. Her name is Betty. The actors, Jeff, who's the leading man, Mackie, who's the man of a thousand voices, and Hillary, who's the diva leading lady. Then there's two alternating, like, cute, like, like girl next door kind of type. So there's the girl from the wrong side of the tracks and there's the girl next door. So the girl next door was Celia who doesn't last the entirety of season one. She leaves before the end of season one. And then there's Maple who comes in in like season two. There's the Maple. I loved Maple. Maple's actually probably the most famous member of that cast. The actress's name is, I'm going to butcher her last name is Carolee Carmelo. And she's a big Broadway star. So like she, if you, I know she was in, falsettos at one point she was the original alice um from the adam family musical no nice she's got a beautiful voice um and then there was the organist the um tech oh, guy hello dolly she was in the national yeah. tour of hello dolly yeah no she's absolutely fabulous um and then um the probably the funniest character is mr foley who's their sound effects artist or f- the proper name would be foley artist and he never speaks the character only like, if he's ever referenced, he'll, like, make a sound with a sound effect or he goes to speak and they cut him off, which was the gag for four seasons. And it was really, really cute. What, and so, uh, first of all, gr- good on that guy. What an acting, yeah. like, contract. Have. It, it, it rivals Vin Diesel's Groot. Like, oh, you just, like, you just say, I am Groot a bunch. Great. Okay. Yeah, this man never got to talk. It was amazing. And it does what you expect. It's a sitcom and it's, it, it only, like, the first... What, what is a show that it's comparable to? Like, it doesn't Ooh. have to be like perfect, but like, what kind of vibe are we giving off? So, like, so me and the listeners have like a a a, a thing to go off to of. compare it to. Gosh, that's kind of hard. I ah, uh, it's real. That's the problem. Is it's so unique? I would say, kind of take take a little Downton Abbey. Take that concept of a period piece with the beauty, because uh, this show did win Emmys for its costume design. Uh, okay, and it okay. is a very very well designed show. And then throw in some good, like, I'm going to, I'm going to say Parks and Rec's level comedy and shenanigans, but you have to pull this back into the 1990s. So like where they could go super hard and they can make certain comments, but that level of off the wall wacky, but we're going to pretend it's, it's okay in this work environment. Take that, put that in there. Cause this is a total comedy with some elements of drama. Um, I, I really I wish I could like go. It is this okay, but, and no, that's like I, the idea of like I, I understand Downton Abbey. My wife just watches Downton Abbey on repeat, and mm. so ergo I like by osmosis have gotten some Downton Abbey. And then like I know Parks and Rec too. Like again, like the shenanigans they get into are not realistic. So yes, so it's so, like it's like you're supposed to be looking in the lens of a workplace environment, the normal average American in the 1940s while the events of the 1940s are happening around them. So like World War II becomes a major plot point, which I will jump into. So the whole like bulk of season one is wacky situations, 
oh, a, a film producer shows up and is looking for his next big star and all the radio actors want to do it. Or they start pulling in live like we're going to pick up the phone and answer. There's a campy murder mystery episode. All of it makes sense. Like, oh, um, Hillary gets hit in the head with a microphone and now she, you know, she's having this weird brain thing and she thinks she's one of her characters. Like, goofy stuff like that. <laughs> and then we get to the end of season one. And one of the major characters, the station director, Victor, goes to England to broadcast for the BBC to help the war effort. And Jeff goes with him, the lead singer. And the season, the first season ends with the the London Blitz, and oh. no one knows what happens to Victor or Jeff. And that's the end of season one. And then the show gets re- real out of nowhere. Oh, snap. <laughs> so then season two happens, and Jeff comes home. Jeff is fine. And everyone's happy, but Victor is still MIA. No one knows what happened to their station manager. They have an interim stage manager who's like very classic sleazy businessman. And then season two and season three do this really weird thing where they weave in and out of something really serious and something horrendously wacky. So they'll do an episode that has nothing to do with nothing. And then all of a sudden there's an episode about Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um and so we get through this weird like so, there's an so it's so if it's it's if parks and rec had to deal with nazis yeah because <laughs> like so like funny situation and then in the next episode you find out that um there's a one of the programs ha- is for kids and there's like a decoder thing but all the messages are coming up and they're gibberish and it's actually because the nazis have snuck secret messages into the coded messages that are going out for nazi oh sleeper agents in specifically Pittsburgh, because this is a local television or radio station and isn't broadcasting outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and so like there's a like a Nazi gets into the building and holds the lead the lead diva Hillary hostage. Oh my gosh. And there's a shootout, and it and it <laughs> and everyone thinks at one point they all think Victor is dead, but then Victor's alive and only Betty knows, and Victor is doing Nazi propaganda because now he's working for the government. He's working for the American government to try and like smoke out the Nazis. So he's pretending to be one of them. Oh, so he's an undercover Nazi. He's he's an undercover agent who's uh, has a nickname and is doing uh, Nazi radio broadcast propaganda. It's the weirdest thing. Oh my gosh. And this carries through season two through season three. And then where Jafar comes in is he is the guy who owns the whole station. Okay. He owns the 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 call letters and all the stuff. And he's this really sleazy evil guy. I mean, Jafar. Jafar. Um and you don't understand why he's trying to shut down WENN. That's just kind is, of his Is like, Gilbert Gottfried in it? Gilbert Gottfried is not in it, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> um so this is where Jafar comes in. He doesn't get to do any of the voice acting. He's taken over the station. He's directing, he's trying to close it down. Then he doesn't try to close it down. And then you find out he's a Nazi. What? <laughs> and he's- Okay, wait, 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 wait. How do you find out that he's a Nazi? So at the end of season three- Like, does he just have a, like, like okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Go, 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 go. So at the end of season three, what happens is um, when, when the original station manager, like, shows himself to Betty and is like, I'm still alive. If you ever want to, like, know more about me, Mike, I, there's a contact who will talk to you. His name is in the bottom of a strong box, hidden in my desk. Here's the key. And um, at the end of season three, uh, Betty opens it and finds out that the name of the contact is, th- is uh, this guy, is Jafar. 
And she's like, what? But you were so mean and evil. And he's like, it's all an act, sister. And then he's like, sucker, I'm actually a Nazi. And I'm trying to find Victor so that we can kill him. And then Victor comes in out of nowhere in a police outfit. And season three ends. Um, he's like, Victor's been brainwashed. He'll do whatever I say. And he said, and um, Victor is, I, I don't know why. This is one of the weird things my brain remembers. Victor is told to shoot the person um, that the that by barley futures is a key phrase and you're supposed to listen to whoever says the key phrase and so jafar says by barley futures shoot betty and he's like i'm supposed to i was told i'm supposed to kill the person who says by barley futures and he's like oh oh no but then for some reason oh the Betty's love interest walks into the room and like makes some joke. He's like, what's the deal with like buy barley futures? And then he points the gun at Scott. Um, and everyone's like, oh no. And then Betty's like, you can't shoot Scott. And so she closes her eyes and she says, buy barley futures. It goes to a shot of just the doors into the green room where all four of them are. And the gun goes off. And that's the end of season three. Oh my gosh. This, what, what a serious situation that is like, they were just like, yeah, let's just turn this into a comedy. This is the nineties right here that the nineties, we definitely took really serious things and we're, and we're like, you know what? We're going to make these a comedy. (laughs) So they do this big storyline and then season four comes back. Uh, Victor shot Jafar in the arm and Jafar gets arrested and then we go back to regularly scheduled shenanigans and we forget about the Nazis for the rest <laughs> of season four. It's like it is never the war happened. still going on? Yeah, yeah, World War II is still happening. And towards the end of uh, season four, Pearl Harbor gets bombed. Oh. And they announce it. Like, Betty gets a message on the telemachine in her office and there's a shenanigans happening and that's how they end this episode. There's understanding. And she comes in and she goes, oh my God, we're at war with Japan. They've just bombed Pearl Harbor. And that's how the season ends. And it's like, or the episode ends. And it's only a couple episodes before the end of the season. And now they're gearing up to build a cliffhanger where all the men decide to sign up to serve and go and join the army. One or two of them get rejected because they're too old and it hurts their feelings. Um, The Foley artist and the organist have been having a romance and he proposes to her in semaphore flags. (laughs) And she, we don't know what she says. And um, then Victor and Scott, who are Betty's love interest characters, tell her she has to choose. Oh. And then the other, this is a really weird side plot. So the lead, the lead actors, the diva. (laughs) Wait, what we've been talking about was not a really weird side plot? No, that was the weird main plot. Oh, okay. So the weird side plot that I didn't go into because I didn't think it was that necessary is that the diva lead and the lead actor, Jeff and Hillary, were married, got divorced, got remarried, got divorced, but then are kind of still in love and live together. It Like, it's never really explained. But they've been in a big fight for pretty much all of season three and season four. And he, at the end of season four, asks her to marry him again. And she says, I can't. I'm married to somebody else. So the whole series ends with Betty has to pick between Victor and Scott, between her two love interests. Hillary is apparently married to somebody else. Uh, Mr. Foley has proposed to Eugenia and semaphore flags. And most of the male staff at WENN um, have signed up to go serve in World War II. Wow. And that's where the series just ends with no that explanation. Is, that is a cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Um, we'll never know. We will never know what happens. Um, the reason that... Oh, this is brilliant. My watch listens to the whole thing. 
I wondered what was speaking. I was like, whoa, what's happening? I just looked down because I kind of heard it and it listened to everything. <laughs> and what my watch's response is, is <laughs> Princess Eugenia met her soon to be husband, Jack Brooksbank, on a skiing trip in Switzerland. <laughs> Hey, you know what? That's now a fact we know. Say that again, Chris, for our listeners. Princess Eugenia met her soon-to-be husband, Jack Brooksbank, on a skiing trip in Switzerland back in 2010. And I don't know who these people are. (laughs) Just, you know. Wow. Um, But anyway, so the show ends. And the reason the show ends, it's not because its ratings are bad. It's not because it's not doing well. It's actually a pretty well-watched show. Um but were you able to see this in any research? I was kind of curious. I uh, wasn't it that AMC like got taken over and like there was it was a transition period of AMC because this was on AMC. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Am I correct yeah, about this? You're very correct. Essentially, what happened was the new the people who bought out AMC and were taking it over were looking to rebrand to a new audience, and AMC didn't or um not AMC. Uh, remember when didn't fit that audience because AMC when I was a kid and when you were a kid, Matt was. American movie classics. This was, you know, they would play uh, South Pacific and whatever happened to Baby Jane and Hush Hush Sweet Starlet. And they would do behind the scenes interviews. And it was the old movie channel. And this was like kind of their step into something new doing Remember When. But that show concept and style really fit who their audience was. Um, and apparently a random five-year-old boy from the western suburbs of Chicago. I don't know. Like, I mean, the show sounds fun. It's amazing. It's like, not fun, It sounds fun, so it's much amazing. fun. And, and I looked at people who have guest starred on this notable guest star. Oh, okay? yeah. They had some big guest stars. So, I mean, we got Jason Alexander has mm-hmm. been a guest star. You've got um uh you've got uh 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 J.K. Simmons, Mickey Rooney, John oh. Ratzenberger, like and and the list goes on and on and on and so on. So let me on. tell you too, um, who was the first one you said? I'm sorry. Uh, the first one I said was Jason Alexander. Thank you. Jason Alexander plays a mentalist who falls in love with Hillary. Oh, yes. That's that whole plot. John Ratzenberger is a villain who works for the Book of World Records who is trying to prevent WENN from accomplishing the world record of the longest running broadcast. <laughs> he's like, he's pretending to work for the world records, but he's like sne- secretly being evil. Rue McClanahan was in it from Golden Girls. I'll always oh, yeah. reference the Golden Girls. She And she was this like wealthy woman um, whose husband had had an affair with Maple, I guess, at some point. Okay. And, uh, Hil- and she was trying to get Hillary fired. And so Hillary blackmailed her. Um, to into like I'll tell everyone that your husband slept with Maple if you don't leave me alone. Oh gosh, um, Roddy, Mc, Roddy McDowell was on it, and he played like Hillary's like old acting coach. Um, Betty like, Buckley was in it. She was she was in the original cat uh, Broadway cast of Cats. She was um, the one who sang Memories, the the gross cat at the end. Is Cats the weirdest musical ever? Yes. Period. Have you ever seen it on stage? I've seen the recording of Cats. Like the one like where they filmed the stage recording. I've never seen it live. I don't hate myself that much. Guess who has seen it live? Why? Um, I was a kid and like it was when it first came out. And so it was like this big thing. 
And so we went, like my parents took us a good old Whiting Auditorium in Flint, Michigan. We saw oh, a ton I of see. stuff there. You like, guys it was were not, being punished. What did you it, do? It, it was not uncommon. And I don't really remember much of it, I, but I do remember thinking- Repress it? I remember thinking, this is really strange. Because like most of the time, I enjoyed the musical because I was like, okay, like there's a fun plot here. Is there? I think there's a plot, but it's not really clear on what it is. I, I think it's a bunch of cats dancing in a garbage cat can, hoping that one of them will be sacrificed and get to it, die. Yeah, there's a yeah. There's 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 weird stuff that happens in cats, and so like there's not like a linear plot that like like the Music Man. You're like, okay, I get this story. Speaking of the Music Man, I can't tell you how upset that I am that I don't live in New York because I want to see Hugh Jackman play Harold Hill so badly. Oh, man. Yeah, that does sound amazing. Uh, but yeah, like that one, like linear plot. Here's the like, I can follow this. Cats, I just remember being like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> oh, and that reminds me, one of the other big names from Broadway who was on Remember One was Patti Lapone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was I like their first major guest star. Yeah, it just so uh, clearly like it, it's it's and like you said, won multiple Emmys, you know, was was a really cool show. It, it, I I love that. This happens all the time, not just in TV, but in all corporations where there's something really, really good. And then you know, there's changeover at the top or, you know, what, you know, there, there's something, you know, out of that, that has nothing to do with whatever it is that was good. And it just gets pushed away because of not really any real reason. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we're just, you know, it's just not the direction of our company anymore. And it's like, so you're taking an Emmy winning show and being like, yeah, no, no, that doesn't winning Emmys. That's not the direction of our of our TV station. Okay, but I want you to listen to this. Assuming so, think. I mean, when you think of if this show, if this these new network executives want to take AMC in a new direction, that means they probably aren't that familiar with some of the programming, or they're cursed very familiar with it. So imagine Matt that someone who works at you're the new executive. And you bring someone in from programming down to sit and explain to you what some of the original programming is. And someone explains to you, remember when. And uh, the way I just did it. What would you think? I mean, I would have been like, this show sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, Can we bring back the Nazis now? (laughs) Get the Nazis back. Revive them. Um, Do springtime for Hitler. (laughs) Speaking of which, have have you seen, this is a really random tangent. Have you ever seen the movie Jojo Rabbit? No, I wanted to really badly. Okay, it's when uh, uh, um, uh, Taiki Watiti does is like a, a imaginary Hitler, mm-hmm. and it's it's just wonderful. It, it looked like such a, a fascinating movie. I, it was on my list of things I wanted to see. It's very very good. I mean, has some heavy moments in it. Don't get me wrong. It's but- about. Nazis. Yeah, I mean, anything. I, I don't think there's ever a story that's like this is a happy World War II story. Like there, there, there's things white that Christmas. like White Christmas is a happy World War II. I, I guess technically it is because it starts in World War II, and then you find out what happens to the general after World War II, and life kind of starts to suck, and they they remind him that he's important. Okay, all right, I, I guess. Um, okay, 99% of movies involving <laughs> World War II are not your 
real feel-good movies. <laughs> there, there's usually, I mean, even if they end well, you're not feeling like, oh man, I feel great now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel great about humanity. But, um, so that's why I appreciated that movie because that depiction of this, ima- this you know, 10-year-old kid's imaginary friend who's Hitler is is funny. So Jojo Rabbit, highly recommend watching Jojo Rabbit. It's got a great cast. I'm trying to remember, remember why when? we went. Yeah, remember when? Why did we go down this tangent? Remember uh, when we went on a tangent? Well, I mean, we're talking about Nazis. This is the most that I've ever said the word Nazi in a 27-minute period. We're going to get flagged. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably... Nazis are bad. There we Nazi, go. We're good. There, yeah. <laughs> Please know that we do not approve of Nazism or what happened in World War II. Yeah. Um, but I... I we do know, approve I, of campy Nazis, I guess, in 19... 19- 40s radio station dra- uh, dramedies from the 1990s. But you know, I, I said this earlier, and that again, you know, the the 90s was this time where you could get away with a little bit more of the comedy element of something that was really serious. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I, I look at watching The Little Mermaid is a perfect example where there's a lot of like interesting. Yes, yeah. There, there there's a lot of things like Under the Sea. One best original song, and it's like the blackfish is singing, and the blackfish goes, Wah! and it's like that's that's pretty racist. I've never really, I, I'm not a big fan of The Little Mermaid, so I've never clocked it. Yeah, like I've that's seen it pretty once. racist. You've seen only seen that movie once. Wow, yeah, once was enough. Um, and then Ursula's pretty much like. You know, well, how would I? You know, she's selling her voice, or Ariel's selling her voice off to Ursula, and. She's Ariel, like, shake Ariel. your butt. Yeah, she's she's basically like, just you, you just you know, shake your body in front of him, and it's like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, you tell a sixteen year old that, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so, but but that was like totally cool in the nineties. Yeah, and and well, also, I really do want to like stress that like we've made a lot of jokes here today, uh, <laughs> but when the Nazi stuff happens in the show, I mean, it's those are dramatic episodes, but it is very. They do a very, very t- stereotypical of bad, good. Like we are, the Nazi is going to be as bad as we can. Like there's going to be a gun, and they're going to try and shoot somebody, and then someone is going to save the day. Like it, there was never a, a cl- the only cliffhanger involving a Nazi is the end of season three, only one. Otherwise, they tie those up real fast. And I think it's probably, I'm sure there's kind of some kind of residual stress at the. I don't know. I wonder if that's like a psychological, like we can't let people be nervous. Yeah. And I wonder. Yeah. The world's strange and people make creative choices for weird reasons. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, really, I mean, the reasons why movies get made or don't get made mm -hmm. and TV shows get made or don't get made are all like, there's so many hoops that, that people have to jump through and it's, it's a really bogged down uh, system. And but, I mean, the process can take forever. I mean, think about like, I can't believe I'm actually talking about this. Uh, Death on the Nile, the newest Death on the Nile. That was supposed to come out, I think, like two years ago. And it got pushed back dressed, drastically. Um, and I Do you I, not I, like Death on the Nile? I love the book and the two other movies. The original book by Agatha Christie, the movie they made in the 19, I want to say 70s or 80s with all-star cast, Peter Ustinoff. Angela Lansbury, Mia Farrow, um, Betty Davis, Maggie Smith, A plus. 
Um, they did a BBC version with uh, their their normal Poirot series that had Emily Blunt, David Suchet, the woman who plays the giant in um, the fourth Harry Potter movie, who's in charge of the French school. She's in it. Oh, um, yeah. Really You're good. Not retelling. feeling Tom Bateman, Annette Bening, oh, Russell Brand. <laughs> let me tell you this 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 movie had an amazing cast. It was beautifully designed. The cast did an amazing job. Uh, but Kenneth Branagh is doing a poor job of adapting. Um, and he's taking he's taking parts of the original material away to add his own parts to it, which essentially you're taking away from somebody who's considered one of the best authors and storytellers in the world to add your own stuff. And you are not one of the absolute best. It's still a really well done in parts. He adapts parts of it really well, but he varies so aggressively from the heart of the actual story that I do have issue with it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but yes, it took, like, I mean, like just think of the back end process of how to get to there. And we knew about death on the Nile for a few years because they teased it at the end of murder on the Orient express, which I have more issues with his adaptation of that. <laughs> oh, so that is like a six. I was like, this isn't this the same movie except now on a boat instead of a train? And yeah, kind of. No, it's actually not. I mean, no. it's the same detective. It's a different murder. Um, here's the thing: Murder on the Orient Express is not an action-packed thriller that he makes it out to be. It is supposed to be twelve people and a detective stuck in a snowdrift talking on a train. And it is a beautiful story when you okay. look at it from that perspective. And if you don't know the story, I'm not going to spoil it. But from a Hollywood standpoint, 12, it's not, people, it's, sit, it's 12 not, people sitting in a room correct. stuck in a snowbank. is The only way. So when they originally made Murder on the Orient Express, the first time they made the movie, again, in like the 1970s, the get it to sell. And I mean, it won an Academy Award. It's an all-star cast. It's Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Sean Connery, Michael York, uh, Albert Finney. Some of the biggest, John Gielgud, some of the biggest golden age Hollywood names are in that movie. So then when Kenneth Branagh does it, obviously 12 people sitting on a train in 2018, 17 is not going to sell. So now we also have to have a gun chase and the train has to derail or some BS like that. (laughs) And then in Death on the Nile, it is scarier. There is like, they're trapped on a boat and more than one person dies. They're dropping like flies and they're dropping really quick. Um, Is there another one? What do you mean? Is there another one? So, so the, like, there's a murder on a train. There's a murder on a boat. Is there? Oh, is there... I mean, there's like forty to fifty Poirot bo- stories. Agatha Christie wrote like over seventy books in her time. Oh, dang! There's she's she is only outsold by Shakespeare and the Bible. Oh, dang. she is the longest running play in history. It is never closed. It opened in the 1950s. It is still running on the West End today. Wow! It's called The Mousetrap. Um, her her work is very very prominent. Um, and one of her most popular books, and then there were none, which is also referred to. It is not politically correct anymore, but it, at one point was also called Ten Little Indians. Mm. Is often parodied for TV, um, sometimes in movies, and is a jumping off point for a lot of other mystery stories as well. That's kind of, in my opinion, the the quintessential um, slasher, or not slasher, but. That kind of genre. It's about 10 people trapped on an island and they're all starting to die. They're getting murdered by one of them and they don't know who it is. Um, And it's it's not a mystery because they don't know each other. It's just one of them's crazy and is killing everyone. Um, It's one of my favorite books. Um, I've been in the play adaptation. 
It's a lot of fun. Were you the slasher? I was the murderer. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so remember when? <laughs> um, okay, so, I mean, I guess, do we think this should come back? I guess kind of, unless you have anything else, but, you know. Um, I well, I do, have of... my, I do have my eBay de- deep dive. Oh, um, yes, eBay. Believe it or not, I did find two things on eBay. Ooh, do tell. Um, I found someone is selling one of the, the cassette tapes that AMC sold for $30. Um, one of the VHS types with like select episodes that had three episodes on it. And someone is selling a production still of Jason Alexander and Melinda Mullins, who played Hillary Booth um, from their episode on remember when, when he's the hypnosis or the mind person who's like trying to seduce her. Um, and that one is going for $17.99. So nothing, nothing too expensive, nothing really too weird in the end of the day. Well, and this this wouldn't have been a show that would have been real driving of the merch. No, this would have been in the '90s when we didn't do that. Yeah, we did. We didn't really do that. And even now, like I don't know, don't feel like there's there'd be a lot of merch that would come from this. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I will say. Oh, oh, I want to buy that. I just I was like maybe Etsy because sometimes people sell personal things on Etsy. Oh no, I need this. Do Some, tell. Somebody is selling. So the radio state, if you Google it, you can see it. W-E-N-N had like the radio call letter symbol. And it was like on the wall when you entered. Someone is someone has made it in wood. Oh, that's and pretty cool. And you can cool. buy it in a six or a nine inch panel and hang it on your wall. How much? Um, 33 for the six inch and 49 for the nine inch. That's not bad. That's not bad. That, and it's, it's super cool. I want the actual bejeebies out of that. I have nowhere to, to hang it, nor do I have the money to just throw at that. I'm standing in a wedding y'all. Um, all my money has to go to that. Um, but oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I looked that up. Um, yeah, yeah you know, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Everyone, everyone. <laughs> I know we've said buy us all those old weird discontinued toys. Everyone buy me a remember when plaque. I'm still holding out for the the McPizza hat. <laughs> you never know. Hey, Great. ladies. <laughs> you have to get divorced first. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm just gonna pick ladies up and then be like, hey, sorry, I'm married. I just needed to prove that I could pick you up in this McPizza hat. See ya. <laughs> All right. So I before I answer, I, I want to know yours, and I don't. I I feel like my thoughts and opinions could taint what you say on this. What do you think? I feel like this would be really fun to come back. And maybe Good, not. Because if you said no, we would never have been doing another episode of this. No, um, but continue. And maybe maybe it's not. Uh, maybe you pick a different, like a slightly different era. Um, uh, am, am I like taking your idea here? You're not taking my idea, but we're on the same train of thought. I'm so excited. Please continue. Well, you know, and even like, could you modernize it and do a... Uh, a podcast studio that <laughs> there's all these podcasters and uh, Hollywood, maybe they're both available. Yeah, yes, Hollywood. Us, us actors clearly are both of. Uh, you're more of an actor than I am. I was in an eighth grade production of Honk Junior, and I played I've heard the about male, that. I played the male it's, lead. It's all over Variety magazine. I'm I'm fairly certain there's no video evidence of this, and I'm really happy with it's that. A crime. That's a crime. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, anyway, um, but even if you kept it in like that golden age of radio, I think this would be a really fun, a really fun period piece. It'd be Correct. really fun to modernize. You know, there, there's, there's, you can do really cool things when you weave in historical events to, uh, you know, comedy drama series. And 
Um, I, I, I think this would be something unique. I, I, I can't think of another, it, the fact that you could not think of another show that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is what it is says to me that this is a unique enough show that we don't need, like, it's not like, oh, it'd be the, you know, 17th law and order that we have. Correct. And so my, my, my thought is, yes, I think this should come back. I think it needs to stay a period piece. I Not that you couldn't modernize it, but I think that's the charm. And I think we are part of a generation, we were talking about, we're oversaturated with superheroes. I don't think we're oversaturated yet, but period pieces are really, like, there's the Gilded Age right now is on HBO. Downton Abbey was so popular. The Crown, I'm going to consider a period piece because uh, it jumps and it, um, there's one other one I'm forgetting. Oh, well, it'll come to me later. But I They're love, all over. This is a, we don't have really a period piece that looks at America and we don't have a period. And this is a fun, the 1940s is a really historically, I think, interesting period. There's a lot that's happening. It's a very pretty period with Art deco and the way people are dressed and all that. It's a really cool time period. Here's what I would argue. And it's when you said maybe set it in a different time period. I thought about this earlier. I think what we need to do is you need to take it out of Pittsburgh. I think you need to set it in Chicago. Oh, and I think you should either base it off of. I think you should base. I don't think you should do it because then this turns into a historical dramatization. Um, you should base it off of WGN, which is for anyone who listens not in the state of Illinois or the Chicagoland area. That is the local Chicago radio station that eventually gets a television station. And the reason why I think that is is because. So this is just some stupid history I know about it. Is WGN was a radio station that was never in the black. It was always in the red, sometimes barely breaking even. Now, its parent company, which was the Chicago Tribune, covered that. And it was because WGN bolstered sales of the newspaper so well that that's where the offsetting of the cost. So it didn't matter that they weren't breaking even or making a profit. But it was supposed to be this step into this new era of radio. So if you set it in Chicago and you set it around in the 1920s when WGN starts and have that be its story, it's a, that it's, it's it's failing, it's not doing great, they're trying their best. You also got that really rich 1920s, post-World War One, pre-World War II Chicago history. You got Al Capone running around and you can have that be your Nazi. Um, Al Capone is a lot less scary and a, a lot more acceptable um, <laughs> that Italian Chicago gangster. Um, a great storyline. And then you have like, if the show could go on long enough, if maybe you jump decades, you can get to the point where, or maybe you do just put it in the forties. I don't care. Um, you could talk about that transition from radio into television and how WGN eventually got a TV uh, station as well. Um, that's still going strong today. I think that is when you take in what is cool about some of the period pieces that we have, um, it's that showing of time and how time affects this universe. And that that's really, it is cool to see like, oh, will Mary ever get, I love Downton Abbey. Will Mary ever get married? Or is Edith always going to be the spinster aunt? But then it's really cool when World War One breaks out or when the Titanic sinks. Mm-hmm. And you see how this major world event affected this group of people. Yeah. So to be able to say this small group of people who run a radio station get greatly affected by, I don't know, the St. Valentine's Day massacre or World War II starting um, or the Great Depression hitting and how that affected Chicago. Um, I think that could be a really cool show and and make it a comedy. Go for it. Oh, yeah. There's there's such heavy content on TV. Like it's a radio station. It's campy. 
there, this have you ever listened to old time radio it's camp at its finest <laughs> and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and i think it's a really it's the, what a gateway drug to to share history in in a comedic format and to give people nuggets of oh well yeah we're doing this goofy radio show but now a gangster broke into the radio station well i want to know more about that where can i go to learn more about that well i'll go to a museum i'll pick up a book like I love it. I love it. And if it's set in Chicago, you can get the stereotypical like creator of the series saying, well, you know, we really wanted to make the city a character as well. And so, you know, you know, the city really is a character in itself. Exactly. And I mean, I like, joke about that. But no, I think that sounds excellent. Like I, the, my thought. the idea of of seeing the beginning of that and um. Yeah, it's always, like you said, it's always fun to see, you know, I'm going to make an MCU comparison right now. Mm -hmm. What we're getting in the MCU is there was this big moment of, you know, the snap, the blip, where half the world goes away and comes back. And now in the future stuff, they're showing you, here's where this character was when this happened, and this character was when this happened. And so you're seeing like, oh, you know, we saw this window into this... um, of of when this event was happening and now we're getting to see other windows and it's adding to this story and i i, I it, it adds to that historical event then cuz cuz we all not so much i mean not so much the you know us cuz we all weren't alive in the 1920s and 30s and 40s Speak but for yourself. Uh, <laughs> i'm actually 87 <laughs> but um it, when you, you know, we all were somewhere when some grand historical event happened. And it's always interesting to hear other people's stories of like mm-hmm. where they were when this happened. Yeah. This this is a good way to, uh, I think, even create cross-generational conversations for people mm-hmm. who like yeah, my absolutely. grandma's 97 years old. Um, she has seen it all. And if I were to watch the new Remember When and could be like, I was watching the show and they talked about this. She could, you know, it, it it gives this great opportunity, too, for people to have common ground, to create conversations and to have these nice moments. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is actually a shameless plug why I run a radio play program at my museum. Oh. Um, but yeah, so and that's what I, I was really excited. I was thinking about this, this on the drive home from work today. And I was like, I'm actually going to say this one should come back. And it's because unlike the others that we've talked about, yeah, that's happening a lot right now. It's happening a lot. I don't think we said yes to any of them. I think we maybe said yes to pushing daisies. Yeah, but it, like to me, it's too difficult. It's it, to me, it's like difficult. Whereas this, now I, I don't think this would come back and like picking up the storyline. You, you'd no. have to do all new characters. Correct. Like it, it would be a, it would be a, a true reboot. reboot. But, um. But I don't think any I don't think any of the other ones we would say a true reboot. Again, maybe pushing daisies. Like I could see. You know, kind of, but I to think me, that that's would be not too hard slam... to reboot. Yeah, it's not a slam dunk. I think this is a slam dunk. Teen Titans obviously gets judged up all that. You weren't here for that conversation, but I that gets judged up all the time. I said it shouldn't, especially with all the Marvel stuff. They'd lose so hard. Have you watched? I have not. HBO Max has like a Titans series. Have you watched any? Of I it? haven't. Grace hadn't, but we talked about it on the episode, and this was so long ago. Um, I've heard it's it has some mixed reviews, and uh, some of them are um people are upset that um what is her name the not 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 the one in the purple cape uh starfire that starfire is played by an african-american 
So some okay. people are some people are throwing fits, and I'm like, Starfire in the comics, from what I've seen, is orange, like <laughs> the color of a pumpkin, not a human color at all. So I don't think we get to say what co- like I can't. Like, you have no ground to point at source material and go look. And even then, calm yourself. It's an adaptation. Yeah. Granted, I, mean, I just went off about an adaptation, but I didn't go off about their casting choices. I went off about how they chose to tell a story. There's yes. a difference. Yes. There, um, there, there, Chris, there's a very large difference between... I just, I just want to cover my bases. I want to <laughs> yeah, make sure people yeah, know no, how I, I think and you, feel. Um, but that's what I love about this is it's... I think you could bring back the same name, the same exact premise. It's like when they did the... I think we've talked about this before. They did the One Day at a Time reboot on Netflix. It starts from a whole new place. It's the same concept. It's the same name. They do a couple of callback jokes to the original series... But it stands on its own two legs, and it stands very well. And I think this could do that, especially in the age of Downton Abbey being so popular and the Crown being so popular. And I've heard the Gilded Age is amazing. Yeah, well, and and with how many streaming services that are out there that could pick this up, you know, it it, it this could be a really great, you know, maybe not your flagship, uh, you know, what you're trying to hook people with, but they'll stay for it. it. But they'll stay like they get there. They've gotten, you know, they've gotten through the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's okay. What else is there to watch? Oh, what you, you liked Downton Abbey. So you, you probably like, would like this period when. piece. Yeah. You'd probably like remember when. And speaking of streaming services, uh, this was the fun thing I learned today. So for a very long time, you can like, you can go to YouTube and Google remember when I think there's maybe an episode or two. There's a bunch of clips. There's like next time on remember when I'll tune in for remember when tonight at 8 PM. Like that stuff is all over YouTube. Amazon Prime has seasons one and two. Oh. Um, I did not know this. I about voided all my bowels when I saw it. <laughs> I made a very loud, loud sound. Um, I've been able to see it all over the years because at one point when Google Video was still a thing, someone had posted all the episodes there. I watched the whole thing. I got my fix. I, I knew everything. Chef's kiss. Yes. Um, there's so like, and uh, the music in that show, I'm going to stop. Anyway. You have to have like like one of those like extensions. Like you have to have a subscription to like some AMC Plus thing. So AMC still owns it and is like, yeah, we'll let people see it. But you can do a trial for seven days for free. The episodes are 30 minutes and there's only like 13 in a season. So you can knock that out in seven days. I highly recommend you go and watch the original Remember When if you're listening or Matt. Um, it has such charm. It is so campy. It, it is so cute. It's well designed. It, it's fun. It's a lot. It's just fun. That's all it is. It's fun. My favorite, like, I just, I want to, like, my favorite joke is in season one, the very first episode. It's about how Betty comes to write at the station. She won a contest. There's already a writer there, but he's a drunk. And he's always, like, passed out from drinking. And one of the actors comes in and goes, where's my script? Like, we're going on in two seconds. And Betty goes, oh, Mr. Mr. Whatever is just running a little bit late. And the other actor goes, Mr whatever is running a little distillery <laughs> as a kid i didn't get it as a grown-up having rewatched it i was like that's the funniest effing line i've ever heard and i'm gonna steal it i'm gonna put it in something someone's i'm sorry matt's running a little late matt is running a little distillery that's what he is doing <laughs> you're, you're gonna be so proud when you can when you can say that one day like in like in context not even a script just like in context it's the, the the line for me for that is uh, flexing my arms and going, somebody better call the vet because these pythons are sick. 
I really want a natural way to put that into conversation. I, I think we have to end our business relationship, Matt. <laughs> Maybe our friendship too. I have a reason to say that, and I'll do it in your honor. I have a I have a friend at my gym now that like we'll work out together. So the next time we do arms, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, oh, oh, hey, man, man, call the vet. These pythons are so sick. <laughs> I mean, I might lose a gym friend for it, but I mean, that's eh, worth it. <laughs> The problem is I don't think I can do it without them bursting out, like get halfway through cracking up. So uh, like that's going to be the problem. It, it, I really have to emotionally and mentally prepare for this moment. Like any good actor. Yes. Yes. And it has to be like the right people. Like, yeah. Okay. I've thought way too much about this. Anyway. Speaking <laughs> um, of way too much about anything, Matt, I think it might be time that you uh, do the sign off. Yes, absolutely. So um, do our 1940 uh, sign off. Oh, oh, no, oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to forgot. We, we tell people where they can find us first. Excuse me. I'm just going to go flush myself down the toilet with the rest of the poop. Yes. So, yes, yes. I'm not going to do the whole thing in uh, uh, the 1940s voice. Um, yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, discontinued on display at gmail.com. You can send us an email. Okay. Okay. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter at discontinued pod, Instagram at discontinued on display. Um, you can check out the sorcerernetwork.com. Uh, we have a new home for our uh, 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 podcast. Uh, Casey just did some work on that. So it's all nice and pretty right now. Um, it's very, very nice. So you can take a look at um, it, it. Instead of just an episode dump, it now has, if you go to our discontinued on display. I like the new color scheme. Yeah, it's got a nice new color scheme. Uh, it's, it's oh, it's organized. It's organized by seasons, so you can like you know, uh, and and even um, uh, hilariously enough, if people are visiting the website, the Teen Titans episode is already up there, so you could have listened to the Teen Titans episode already. But uh, no one will know. Um, but hey, that's a nugget for people who are visiting the Sorcerer Network. Um, Oh, this so, is yes, really very Yeah, pretty. so it's all organized. Uh, it's it's really great. And beers and ears is the same way. Like if you're looking at if you're looking at beers and ears and being like, man, I really do not do not want to um go through everything. We have it also um uh uh organized by like Disney Parks, our trivia challenges, movies, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow, he special did a great guests. job. Like uh, yeah, Casey did a really nice job. Um and so uh, we, you know, we have lots of really great things here. So, and I've got some, some new content. I'm going to write a couple articles here pretty, pretty soon. I've got some ideas for it. So, um, yeah, it's really coming together. I'm super, super excited about it. So definitely check that out. Um, as always rate review us as well. Um, uh, it really does help us out. Um, I know you all are, are telling someone about this podcast because our, we do, track our listeners and we have seen a slight uptick in people listening so right um so that's nice so thank you everyone um okay chris do you have anything else nothing else for me i'm just ready for that sweet sweet radio sign off from you that you promised <laughs> I, I almost just said somebody better call the vet because these ones <laughs> are sick good night everybody <laughs> but i just uh, i could i I, I, I couldn't get through it without cracking up first. Oh, I'm so sad. Having fully discussed Remember When, Chris and Matt now go on to the next week's episode. Join us next week on Discontinued on Display.
Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.